Successful Unit family. Here we are again, back at it with another episode of the Unmuted Podcast. It's your boy Steven. I'm here alongside again with my wonderful co-host, Osahano Baswa A. Yes, sir. Oh, Baswa A, A, A. What's going on, man? Real question is, how are you, Mr. A, 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 A? You know, how's fatherhood treating you? I know our, our most recent episode was, you know, the whole fatherhood situation, but you've now been a dad officially for almost two months, almost, almost two months. Are you well, clearly I, you're alive because you're talking on the mic, but so are you actually alive? The responsible answer to give you is that fatherhood is dope. It's great. It's a wonderful experience. My wife is a, it's dope. My child is amazing. Amani is everything. She's perfect. My, one of my greatest joys is when I come home and I take her from my wife and I put her on my chest and she sleeps there and it's it just gives me peace. Now, however, you don't even sound like you believe the word you just said. I do. My son talks in the background. So what I'm telling you is that, yes, I mean every word. I, I didn't know you had do. a heart. I didn't know you had a heart. Do you understand, bro? Look, so first of all, I want to thank all of you who are listening. One of the greatest feedbacks that I have gotten since we started this podcast is that people say, man, I love the podcast, but who is that Osahan character? You know, you're the antagonist of this show now. I am an alpha troll, and that is not by design. Steven just brings it. Is that a fruit of the spirit? Is that a gift of the spirit? That is a, um, it's one of the, the unspoken fruits. It's in the book of First Hesitations, chapter five. You will find <laughs> the fruit of trolliness. Um, trolliness. Trolliness. But no, Stephen, yeah. we, we want to hear you be unmuted about what fatherhood is really like for you. Actually, right honestly, now. man, uh, it, it is a wonderful thing, what I call balancing that, trying to balance home life, work life, spiritual life. Let me tell you how real it is, bro. I was coming from work and I was almost home. I'm at a stoplight. Bro, I didn't realize that I fell asleep at the stoplight until the a car honked their horn behind me. I'm like, I don't even remember going to sleep. Let me explain something to you. And then the very next night, I got off work at midnight. Now, this is during daylight savings. So we lose an hour. Now, I got to be at work at 9 o'clock in the morning. Guess who decides to keep me up at 4 o'clock in the morning? My daughter. I mean, I don't even think the angels was up at that time. No, but no, I the angels from Africa are they're up at that time. I think for me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Sometimes having a child and have a responsibility can expose kind of how selfish we can be as individuals. Like it demands that you sacrifice every aspect of who you are daily. And in that, we still try to implement some of ourselves in it. When really it's a death process daily, everything has changed. Before this, I could go to a movie, like go out and see Ant-Man, go to see the new Creed 3. Nah, not when you got a baby. The baby is the most important thing of your life and learning how to support your wife is the most important thing. Yeah, man, it's just a challenge. So by God's grace, um, we have wonderful support system around us. My mom has been out here for a few weeks at a time. Thank God for moms, man. (laughs) <laughs> thank god for the shout, shout out to all the women out here who are mothers shout out to the women out there who are single mothers who are doing this by themselves you want to give your mom a shout out right there because absolutely mom god I'm bless to help you. you i we're trying to we're still, 
it's a challenge of one. She had three. And it's just like, wow. She had you. (laughs) She did have me. I was the very first one. Me alone should have made her reconsider. (laughs) But no, just looking at the demand of what a child needs with, you know, the breastfeeding, with, you know, the attention, the crying, trying to get them to go to sleep. You trying to find time to sleep. You trying to find time to be you. It's, it's, It's all a challenge. And it's incredible, like, for... This experience has genuinely given me a greater appreciation for women, uh, single women. It, it 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 just speaks to the fact that the man and the woman were always meant to be by God's design to be a balance. I hope I hope Stephen that at some point because I know you know like you said your mom's been out here twice since uh, your beautiful daughter was born. I hope you've apologized to your mom um, at some point for not thought about for- it. But no, you need to apologize for the next <laughs> time you see your mom say, Mom, I'm sorry. I never knew. I never, I never, I remember Jackson. My, my, my mom actually <laughs> called because I don't know if I've said it on here before, but my parents are both immigrants. So when I was born, my mom had only been in this country, had been in this country a little over a year. Okay. And, and her parents couldn't come over yet. They had filed papers, couldn't get them to come over here. Because um, it's nice, like you said, to have family around when that, when the baby's born. It literally takes a village, bro. My mom called her mom. Long distance called in Nigeria from Alaska. First of all, just to you know let them know I was here. And second of all, my mom is crying and goes, I'm really? sorry. I never knew. I never knew. Uh, and it's not, you know, just so I y'all just understand. No. I, I, <laughs> I was almost 10 pounds as a baby. Okay. For, first of all, I was I was born the week before Christmas. I was born two weeks late. So all this stuff that comes with that, right? This is in the 80s. Um, on top of being born to an immigrant family, my dad working and going to school at the same time. Um, so my mom basically having to, not that she was a single mother, but being home with me, doing all of that stuff. It's it's really real. I told my mom recently, I don't know how you did it with three of us, Man. me and my two siblings. I I have two and I'm over here. I have one in my arms right now as we're recording. Okay. Rain. And he's hopefully to the Lord. He he stays quiet during this podcast. If not, he gets the privilege just like his brother did at some point at hang, of hanging out with me on a podcast and giving his two cents. I will also say you, this though. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. And, and then I'll, I'll, I'm going to tell you the reality you. of what the reality of manhood by God's design, bro. So long story short. Don't you I, say nothing unbiblical, Stephen, because I'll pull the plug <laughs> on this episode real quick. <laughs> No, I'm saying the the day my we came back from the hospital, out of all the pain that she went through, she just sore. So she's climbing up the steps. Now, the image that I want to paint in people's minds is that as she's climbing the steps, I have one hand on her back, and I'm also carrying my child. In that in that moment when we got when while walking up, I said, "This is what manhood and fatherhood is. It's carrying your child through life." At the same time, you're supporting the needs, physical, emotional, spiritual. At the same time, you're pushing, you're thrusting. You have to learn how to do a juggling act. Not to say that women don't, but as men, we got to learn uh, how to bear the weight of caring and supporting. And that is not a job that you can do by yourself. Honestly, it takes, just like it takes a village to raise raise a child, it takes a circle of accountability to help a good man be a good father. So I want y'all to know something, despite all the uh, 
profound thing Stephen just said in this moment. Um, everything Stephen is experiencing right now um, is him reaping the harvest of uh, multiple comments that he made to me uh, before his child came along. You know, Steve would ask me about, hey, did you watch the newest show on Netflix? And I was like, no, I, I, I was asleep. Asleep? What do you mean you were asleep? What other shows? Are you yeah, it didn't make sense. On? Like, blah, blah. and didn't like you would only watch TV between the not the time period of like eleven Steven p.m. and one a.m. I'm like, what? What is there, this? There are statements. How, how you not me. breastfeeding? How do you not have time during your day, bro? Let, let me weekend. help you out. Let me help you. How do you Steven not have time? time? I told Stephen one day. I said, have self-care. I said, Stephen, you haven't known tired until your eyes have felt like they were on fire. <laughs> oh, Steve, oh, oh, oh. oh, what do you mean your eyes are on fire? Man, look, and recently, it, Steve, Steve, Steve said he was at work and his eyes bro. just hurt. And I said, Stephen, that is interesting and ironic that you would make you. a statement like that. But, but I'm rubbing my eyes that were burning. I'm like, oh, I ain't never, I, I have never known a tired like this. <laughs> you talk about well, basically, I leave the house in the morning like God. I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. Basically, Steve, Stephen is Stephen has learned today and will continue to learn. <laughs> right, um, I absolutely did learn. But se- secondly, I'm going to push back on something because you What's know that? me. I like I'm a contrarian. Well, I believe balance is a myth. Um, especially, uh, I, I do. I believe balance is a myth. I think the the bigger question and the bigger thing we should an- a- analyze is priority. So. You said you said, you know, the whole picture of carrying the child in one arm and pushing the wife in the other. Mm -hmm. I would venture to say you should have left either baby downstairs, helped your wife up, wife up, carry baby upstairs, help your wife up. All that to say, though, and this is why I say balance is, is a myth in life. We are going to have to, as the old saying goes, rob Peter to pay Paul. It's going to happen. So right now, the Peter you're robbing right now is sleep to pay and care and sacrifice for family, right? Absolutely. I really believe priority is the bigger thing. So for example, like you said, trying to juggle the needs of wife, child, your spiritual, all of that stuff. The priority period is our spiritual well-being. This isn't to say, this isn't to say, well, Steve, you need to make sure that you're praying three, four hours a day and everybody else figure everything out. And I I learned this, I learned this quickly having kids, right? I, I, I can no longer, right? Spend couple hours a day, deep diving in the word like I used to. But I, what I can do is say, I know one day out the week, I can take time, set time aside, make sure I communicate with my wife. Like, hey, I need my, I need my, some deep me and Jesus time and do what I need to do. And so fun fact, when the word priority was coined in Latin, it was a singular word, wasn't plural priorities. It was just priority because the thought was you have one priority and everything else in life falls in line. So I would just encourage you, Steve, priority, figure out what the one priority is, because here's what happens. In, and I'm, I'm not saying this is some expert, okay? I'm five years married, two babies right now, but it is very easy to lose yourself in the identity of being a husband and lose yourself in the process of raising your children. The fight to maintain who you are in the midst of all of those things is fierce because you will wake up one day and your child or children will be in college or they'll be walking down the aisle and you'll ask yourself, oh, shoot, who am I? Mm. That was free. That wasn't in the notes. Um, Steve, what did you want to talk about today? First of all, thank you all so much to the Unmuted Movement. You guys are dope. 
we've gotten some amazing feedback. Um, our followers grow each and every episode. Uh, the quality of the show gets better and improves. And um, I'm just so honored that y'all actually out here taking the time to listen to us. So we get we're getting people to consistently listen to us each and every week and it grows. And and man, the text messages, the inboxes, the comments have all been a tremendous blessing and the support and just a, a great encouragement to I, I would say both of us to that we're going into the right direction. Our our heart is let's be us. And by us, who God made us to be will draw who needs to listen. Those who need to listen to this podcast will listen to this podcast. So we first of all, I want to thank you. Sorry for the delay. Like I said, we both out here kids. Life is out here life. And um, and trying to make time and sacrifice um, the, the, uh, the responsibility of being a father and a man. It's very much more demanding and it requires more sacrifice sometimes than we're willing to give. So first of all, thank you for first and foremost for that to the unmuted family, the unmuted movement. We will keep moving forward. I think after we completed the second episode, I I we spoke offline and I said, hey, man, did we ever really explain what the, the podcast is about, the purpose is? And in, in listening to the, uh, the last couple of episodes, I think we kind of grazed over it in episode one, but we really didn't explain the identity, the purpose, and the heart behind why we're doing this episode. And I think a lot of this time away from the podcast is you and I had to think about what do we want this podcast to be? Because initially I had an idea of what I thought it should look like. And then one day this I gave you a call. I was having a, just having a very rough, difficult moment, and I was just kind of unloading some of my frustrations to you. I was just kind of unloading myself and just really kind of sh- like really being bare with you about just some of the difficulties that I was having, and some of it is associated with you know being a, a father. You and I were just going back and forth and just having being real raw, transparent, and vulnerable about things that I was dealing with, things that I was thinking. And, and holding me accountable, he said, and this is the real unmuted conversation. This is what the podcast should be about. And what the and what the podcast is meant to be about is the conversations and stories that we are too afraid to let others hear because we want to protect an image about ourselves that is too often false because we give people because we give people surface level transparency sometimes and not true vulnerability. My pastor, Pastor Kenyon Healy of Grace Family Church, 4295 East Harupa Street in Ontario, California. If you are looking for a church home in the Inland Empire area, this is a phenomenal church. I highly recommend that you come. I love my church, man. But anyway, he he described it like this. Who we project or think we are and the reality of who we actually are are so far and so distant from each other. And rarely do they meet in the middle. A lot of us have an idea of who we think we are. And a lot of that, what we perceive ourselves to be is what we want people to think of us. So there's so much effort. There's so much work in crafting this perfect image that, you know, I'm single, I'm holy, I'm saved. I don't let nothing bother me that I'm strong. I don't get broken. We're not allowing ourselves or doing ourselves a justice because we're not really sharing the real story of what Christianity is. And it's not the, I had a friend once that asked me, that said to me, one of the reasons why she doesn't go to church is because 
I don't get the feel that if I someone asked me, how are you? And if I actually told you what I'm actually going through, would you even take time to listen? So in this process, man, of like I saying, us formulating this podcast and really me wanting to understand the direction, the vision and where I believe God wants us to go. I came up with six whys of this podcast. Number one, I believe Unmuted is meant to invite God into into the spaces that we exclude him from to bring healing to our trauma and our silence, to let go of the heaviness, the heaviness and the weights that we carry, that we're holding on to, that we were never meant to carry in the first place and give them to God. Now, I think that's interesting, Steve. Um, I think to sum up uh, a lot of what you're, you're talking about is what I would consider I guess maybe an idol of the cultural moment and age that we live in. And that's uh, an, the idol of image management, right? Everything from our, who we project on social media to even who we project when we see people in person, it's where we get the idea, right? Of catfishing from, uh, because we, we manage or we, we put out an image of ourselves. that's not really real. And the problem with that is if I, if I carry that throughout my life, when I step into moments where there is real hurt and real pain, I do myself a disservice because I can't get the help that I need. It's the equivalent of me going to the doctor uh, when I, let's say I've been stabbed in the, the side and I'm leaking blood and I go to the doctor and I go to the ER and the doctor's, well, what's going on? I say, oh, it's just a paper cut, a paper cut. I am leaking. I, I, I might bleed out. And that's the problem is we, we are projecting, and when I say we, I think in the cultural moment that we live in, spend too much time projecting a certain image. Meanwhile, we're bleeding out, and slowly but surely, the real us is dying. Uh, the We can wear a mask all day, but the mask is the only thing that'll get love. The real us, meanwhile, is suffering and is 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 dying and is hurting. So for us to, I think that's why I appreciate this space is this is a space where not just us who are on the mic, but also those of you who are listening in, this is why we encourage you, hey, send in, you know, continue sending your feedback, whether it's email, by email, DM, text message, if you have Steve's number, um, if you have my number, um, continue to send feedback. And if you, if you want to be a part of this, you want to uh, share your story and we'll, we'll get into that with the next point, please feel free because uh, it, I think I might say this on the first episode, uh, we live in an age where it's very data-driven and it's easy to allow people just to become numbers, uh, especially when it benefits a narrative that we're trying to craft and frame, whether that is uh, a narrative politically um, or a narrative societally, whatever that looks like. But behind every number is a name and behind every name is a story. And we want to make sure that your story is heard uh, because it's a beautiful thing when you realize that your story is laced at laced throughout your story really is the beauty of the goodness, the grace and the mercy of God. Why number two, we also want to encourage listeners to tell the story and have the conversation we avoid having about ourselves. I think that hinders our personal lives because 
one person, one being, one entity that we cannot pretend in front of is God. So imagine living your life for years, praying from a perspective of who I think I am versus praying from a space of who I actually am. We want to encourage not just that, but we also want to encourage anyone listening here to remove the mask that we wear. Did you have have a question? I have a question for you, Steve. Uh, When was the last time someone outside of your wife, myself, close friends asked you, hey, how are you doing today? And you gave them an honest answer. Outside of the people that I felt safe to be vulnerable to ask that, answer that question. Mm. Probably a coworker. His name is Randy. He, he'll ask me, hey, man, how's it? How's the wife? How's the baby going? I'm just saying some days not too bad. St- still trying to figure this thing out. Is that a recent development for you to be honest in that way? Or have you always been that kind of person? I think that's more of a recent development over the past couple of years. Because me being transparent or vulnerable and honest in that way prior to this seemed to be more damage control than anything versus now because public perception and what you think of me was more important. I held opinions of others to such a high regard that I didn't even know how to be me. I didn't even know how to be honest. And then if I was honest, does that, if I'm being honest, does that mean I'm weak? Am I, am I not living up to the masculinity that, that God designed for manhood? So I looked at all of it as weakness. Now, when I'm, I'm saying, I feel like I'm being more honest with people, even the, the, the people that I start with, I, I deem safe spaces. They'll ask me, man, what's going on, man? Like, honestly, man. Even with them, I'm being more honest. Because you're like, man, I'm good. I'm good, bro. I don't, I don't, I don't, didn't want to allow people in this space of that I'm not good because by me revealing that I'm not good means that I don't have a handle on it. And by me revealing that I don't have a handle on it means that I need someone to guide me. And for somebody to guide me means that, means that I'm, uncapable, unqualified, that I have a defect, <laughs> if that makes any sense. And I, I'm tired of consistently having to tell people that I'm broken, that I need help. <laughs> As a man, I feel like I should have it. I always feel like the little brother. Like I'm the little brother. Like I have to guide you. I have to show you. So even to this day, when people call me like little bro, that that's a uh, for me to call you a big brother, it's a compliment. So yes, it's a recent development. So it's a long way to answer your question is yes. yes. So first of all, thank you for sharing that. Second of all, yes. the reason why I pushed you on that, there's something you said in there that that I, I think bears just a slight unpacking, and then we'll set we'll we'll hop to the next. Is this you mentioned part of you feeling like that was because you felt like if you if you showed that that crack in the armor or you showed that weakness that that gave people that that wasn't living up to the standard of manhood that God had set out right and and I, I, I yeah it's think, partially it's partly that okay it's also I would say if I'm being honest it's also I'm just being honest 
I was always, I felt like I was soft, sensitive, and I was always told I'm late to the party. Okay. So we'll pause with that right there, right? Late okay. boomer. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. But that the well, scary part about going. that is, the scary part about that is roots inform fruits. There's a lot of, I would say, bad theology that we have in the church, the big C church, and different streams of the church, that if we trace the roots of it back, we would find, oh, that came from something that's not even biblical at all, right? So this idea of what I would call like machismo macho messiah is not at all the picture that we receive in the scriptures of who uh, Jesus is. Uh, to, for, for example, for me to, to paint this picture of Jesus as being uh, the, the core of Jesus' message, right, of him saying, listen, the, the, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Folks will look and say, okay, that's cool. Yeah, whatever. Okay, that's that sounds soft, though. Like, to, to say, when you when you read the teachings of Jesus, you find that there are three uh, three ideas that he constantly talks about when it comes to the spiritual maturity or, or, or growth and uh, being a follower, disciple of him, and that's love, joy, and peace. That sounds, if you say that in some circles, ooh, no, nah, that, that's, that's soft. That's not my Jesus. Because we have this framework or this mentality that uh, in order to follow Jesus, to be a man of God, you have to be this, you have to be David, the giant killer, right? Cutting off the heads of giants. David cut off the head of one giant. But here's the crazy part about David's story. David's other encounters with giants, David was on the losing end. David was in a position of weakness and vulnerability, and it was those around him who had to have his back and save him from being killed off by giants. So our our perspective on manhood and masculinity, that you have to be the strong man at all times, is quite, not even quite, it's just far off. Personally, I'd rather be weak. And I'm learning that as well because I have a tendency to be the lone wolf, to be like, hey, I got this. Let me do my thing. And to learn to say, no, let me run with a pack because as the cliche goes, right, there's safety in numbers and strength in numbers, right? So when Paul says, for example, in 2 Corinthians uh, 9, not only is uh, when Jesus talks to him, right, Paul is having this moment where thorn in the flesh, God remove this from me. And I love it because it's red letters, the response he gets, which means it comes, it's, it's from Jesus. Hey, my grace is sufficient for you, but then also my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so Paul says, I would rather boast in my weaknesses and my infirmities so that the power of God may be seen clearly through me. Uh, another place in Second Corinthians, he says that uh, we hold this treasure, talking about the glory of God in his gospel, in earthen vessels, cracked clay vessels. So this this notion of weakness is something we are invited to embrace because when we embrace that, then and only then do we find true strength.